0: At this time, we've asked Anya Thomas to come share. She's going to be sharing just what God's done in her heart on the subject of giving back, which relates to what Randy's going to be talking about in today's message.
1: Hi, my name is Anya Thomas, and I work with a collegiate ministry called Christian Challenge at USC. And I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior when I was eight. And I've been a part of Church in the Valley since my freshman year in college, which was about nine years ago. And um, my mother, who's actually here today, um, she really raised me with a firm conviction about tithing, so that was never really a struggle for me, but last February, God kind of stretched me outside of my comfort zone. I was at a global missions conference at my mother's church in Florida, and at the conference they kind of um, invite missionaries from all over the United States and the world to really share with and encourage um, the congregation. And they also really um, challenge people to step out in faith and uh, to give generously and even sacrificially to these different ministries. So um, they would encourage us to pray and really listen to God and to ask God to show us what we should give. And during one of the sessions, um, God put a certain amount on my heart and he really made it clear that I needed to give it to Christian Challenge. And um, I just began to kind of pray and wrestle with that commitment because I was really scared. Um, As I said in my introduction, I um, work with Christian Challenge full-time, and the way the ministry works is uh, you raise your monthly salary through the support of friends and family, and uh, I was kind of scared because sometimes finances get a little tight, and I knew when the pressure was on, I was going to be really tempted to um, break my commitment to give beyond a tithe. So as I was praying, the pastor just kept reminding us that when God calls us to do something, He always provides. And then, just from being around the Christian Challenge Ministry and sharing life with Neil and Melinda Walker, who are amazingly generous, I just had a really good example of seeing God over time provide for just all sorts of needs. So I knew that I didn't really have an excuse. It was just fear. And so I had to kind of get over that obstacle. And there's a verse that Neil always quotes to our staff and to students. And it's in Psalm 56.3. And it says, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. So I knew I just had to make a decision, and um, I just chose to trust God and to really demonstrate, demonstrate that trust um, through generosity. And within a few weeks, I was tested, like I knew I would be. And that April, um, I got a bigger bill than expected, and I was like, I don't even know how I'm going to pay this, less known, give money to Christian Challenge. And uh, God just really came through for me. Um, Just proved himself faithful and true and just brought an unexpected gift and it covered everything and I had money left over and I was just amazed and just overjoyed. And just throughout last year, time and time again, um, God just really provided for me, whether it was uh, bringing someone to sublet my apartment while I was overseas or having an old family friend give me a huge gift right in time for my um, car's transmission to go out last winter. So it was like time and time again, God really came through. And 2 Corinthians 9, 7, and 8 says, You must, must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you'll always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. And for me, I really found that when I stepped out in faith and I was willing to kind of give above and beyond what I was comfortable with, and to give beyond a type that God really provided for me, and he even gave me opportunities to help provide for and support others.
0: morning glad you're here we've been digging into uh, these last couple weeks God's principles for uh, financial management there there are principles that operate in the financial arena they're a part of reality and they they can't be changed you, you either have to live in light of them or or not uh, when I was a <clears throat> a young boy I was a spoiled young boy I was like a a black, selfish hole that couldn't get enough. <laughs> and, you know, when you feed selfishness, what happens, it keeps saying, feed me, feed me more, I want more. And um, I, I had an older sister who was 12 years older than I and an older brother who was 15 years older than I. And so beyond my parents, my sister spoiled me, my brother watched over me and made sure I was taken care of as well. Um, and so when whenever I wanted a toy... And my parents said no, I, first of all, I couldn't understand that. It didn't happen very often. Um, but, secondly, they, sometimes they would say, well, we just don't, we just don't have the money for that. Are you crazy? You know, I asked for a mini bike one time, and I thought, why, why can't I get a mini bike? You know, I like, you know, I want that. Well, we just don't have the money right now for a mini bike. And I was like, well, we'll just write a check. You know, why don't you say, you got checks, you got it, you know, write the check. And we get the mini bike. You see, my parents were mature enough to know that the blank check is tied to reality. It's tied to what you have in your account. And so you can't just write a check on something that won't, won't go through. I just wanted my way. I didn't really care what reality was. Uh, but you'll find as you grow and as you mature, you understand reality, uh, more clearly. And the Lord clues us in, as you get into scripture, he clues us into principles that, like I said, we either understand or they create real problems. Last week, we looked at some of those. We looked at the fact that debt is dangerous. It's a trap that the Bible strongly discourages. Common wisdom is there are some okay things to get in debt over, like uh, wise business debt or home mortgage or education. But... Uh, we, the personal consumer credit, credit card debt, that's very, very dangerous. It, it enslaves us and it limits our freedom to love. It presumes on our future. God wants to help us stay clear of the debt trap. So what he does is he gives us some, he, he helps us get our heart in the right place. He helps to meet the deepest needs of our heart and he helps us to get it in the right place. He, he wants us to be rich toward Him. We looked at a story that Jesus told to remind us to to live for what really matters. Don't live for the stuff that's going to go away. It, it gets old and rusts and deteriorates and unravels. Uh, but live for the things that really matter. And if you understand God, you understand how He loves you and I just for who we are. He accepts us just for who we are. And that really... Um, changes the way we can look at ourselves. If we look at ourselves the way that that God does, we we can experience uh, a freedom in our in the area of self image that we don't any other way. We can anchor our image in Him, and find real joy in that, and be rich toward Him to where we're trusting Him to meet our needs, not stuff we can buy, not not things, not stuff that doesn't give anything back except maintenance and. And worries. Um, so we're to be rich toward him. We're to enjoy what we have and be content. This is a choice. More money isn't the answer. More money is not going to make you content. You've just got to decide to be content. More money is going to make you want more money. And then we looked at how to follow God's plan for your finances in a very broad way. As we follow God's plan, as we do life the way that He wants. He's promised to meet our needs. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things, all your needs will be met in him. That's the premise. We follow God. We follow his plan and he meets our needs. Today, we're going to talk about giving. It's a part of God's plan for finances. I mentioned it last week. And we're going to try to get an understanding of what God says about about giving. I don't know about you, but when I'm at the grocery store and I'm going through the check stand and I see either the shamrocks or little things plastered all over the cashier, I know it's coming. I start to cringe because I know I'm going to be asked to give a dollar. And, you know, a dollar is a dollar a big deal? No, it's not a big deal. But I don't like to be put on the spot. I just don't. So I start cringing. And I've decided actually... As an application of this message, that I'm gonna, I'm gonna deal with that. I am gonna once and for all decide how I'm gonna handle it. Either I'm gonna give the buck or I'm not, but I'm gonna be happy about whatever I do. <laughs> but anyway, I have this cringe factor, you know. If I'm unprepared, I'm surprised. Oh no, they're gonna ask me for money. And, and you may have the same, the same feeling when, when the offering plate comes by. You may have the cringe factor. Oh no, here it comes. Oh, I hate this part of the service. Well, one of the things I want to do today is look at what God says about giving and give you an opportunity to begin, if you haven't already, to think through what what he would have you do in that area. Um, We do not want you to feel obligated. We don't want you to experience the cringe factor. If If you're a guest or a regular tender, you haven't committed your life to Christ yet, don't feel obligated to give. when when the offering comes by. We we exist to serve you. We really do. So as as you get to know God, and as he begins to work in your life, what he's going to do is he's going to turn your heart inside out, and you're going to want to start giving to him and his causes and, and to people that he brings your way. But please don't feel obligated. That's one of the things we're going to look at. But here's an important passage where we're going to start. It's Jesus part of Jesus teaching on the subject of giving in Luke 6:35 through 38. He says some things that are a little hard to swallow for us. He says, "Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them." In the scripture, uh the picture is if you have the blessing of God, you're lending to others. You're not you're not having others lend to you. That's that's one of the the pictures. So he says lend to the lend to your enemies and don't be concerned about the fact that they won't repay wow <laughs> then your reward from heaven will be very great and you will truly be acting as sons of god for he is kind to the unthankful and to those who are very wicked now that's the truth about god you ever you ever hang around some kids some some little ones and you think how can their parents love them? <laughs> I don't get it. Look at them. They're just doting all over the kids, and they're brats. Okay, I was that kid. <laughs> but, you know, that that's the way it is. They're the parents. They love these kids. When you're handed, when your baby is born, and you look at that child, man, alive, your heart just goes goes out to that child you just there's a connection that you don't have that's the way god feels about every person he has made that lives on the face of the earth even the unthankful and the very wicked god loves people he he longs for people to get into a relationship with him and so he has given a tremendous amount he has paid A heavy price for the people that he made so that they can come to know him, so that they can have a relationship with him. So we have people going out all over the world to serve and to share because God leads people to do this. He he turns your heart inside out to be a giver. This is how God is with us. Forget about the unthankful and the very wicked. I'm unthankful and I'm wicked at times. But God has, He has been patient with me. And even in my rebellion, even when I was walking away from Him, every one of us has, He has, He has made a way for us to come back into a relationship with Him. So what Jesus is saying here, you're really acting like a son or daughter of the living God when you love your enemies. And you give to them. Then he says, try to show as much compassion as your father does. Jesus is talking here about a core characteristic of his, of his followers. They imitate God. They imitate the living God who is very gracious and very giving. He is a gracious, giving, and kind God. If, read Ephesians 2, 4 through 7 Sometimes, sometime. Um, wow. Wow. It talks about the incomparable riches of the grace of God that are expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus Christ. He he is a gracious and giving God. And then Jesus goes on to point out a law that is woven into the fabric of life. You cannot take the threads out because life begins to unravel. You don't get around this law. It's built in. He says, never criticize or condemn. Or it will all come back on you. Go easy on others. Then they will do the same for you. For if you give, you will get. Your gift will return to you in full and overflowing measure. Press down, shaken together to make room for more and running over. Whatever measure you use to give, large or small, will be used to measure what is given back to you. When you're dividing up your financial pie, you just give a sliver to God and others, or do you give a quarter cut? You know, is it just a sliver? You know, when you're when you're trying to be good, I want some pie, but I'll just have a sliver. Is that what you're giving out? Is that are you stingy with with things? Then that's what you tend to give back. You 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 give generous portions to God and to others, and generous portions come back to you. I've seen this law work in the lives of many many people who give and give and give, and God blesses. In return, the Bible goes on to show that there is some real value in giving. Uh, if you're like me and you're going to do something, you need to know why. What What's what's in this? Why should I do this? Um, God didn't have to. He could have just said, I told you to. That's why. Uh, because I said so. That would have been all right, too. But he gives us some reasons. He gives us some. He shows us the value. First of all, it keeps things in perspective. Uh Psalm 24 one says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to him. God wants giving to flow out of an understanding of our rightful place before him, of his rightful place in our lives, that everyone who acknowledges his ownership over their life, give freely as he directs. That's that's what we do as the Lord leads us. We give um, this Taking this perspective allows you, and, and giving actually reminds you to have a renter's mentality on life. Um, that brings calm. I don't know. I was up in my attic. I we're, we're purchasing our home. We certainly don't own it. We have a mortgage, so supposedly I'm a homeowner, my wife and I. Um, I was in the attic at 11.15 this week trying to fix something. If I was renting, I would have been on the phone calling the landlord. Hey, you know, something's leaking. Could you get somebody over here to fix it? Different attitude. Hey, it's somebody else's. I need I could just call them. No, they'll take care of it. that That's what the, the mentality or renter's mentality allows you to do. And you read this verse and you realize my life and everything I have belongs to God. I I can just ask him for help when I need it. I can hold things loosely. I don't have to wrap my heart around them. When I was renting apartments and other places, uh, it was easier to realize, I'm just using this for a little while. It's, it's, I know my role. I'm just renting here for just 80, 70, 60, however many years God gives me. Giving reminds me of that. That's one of the roles that giving plays in our life. Secondly, it strengthens our faith. It's a way that we can watch God work in our lives right now. We can see God work. He's, he's told us this in Malachi 3.10. This is what he was saying. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. A tithe means a tenth. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. This is the only invitation from God to test him. This is how you can see God. I talked about a couple weeks ago, God being involved in our finances. This is a way to watch his involvement. In your life, he says, bring the whole tithe, test me in this, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. Faith is like a muscle that needs exercise. And this is a way to exercise your faith. This is one way God asks us to do so to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, to give it to Him, and see if God doesn't honor that like He honors other promises. That he gives. Giving um, is a tithe and it's a way to see God's involvement in a positive way. There's also a negative way by holding back the tithe. Verse 9 of this chapter talks about how the devourer can come and eat away at your financial portfolio if you're holding back from God. But we're to give 10% on the off the top. As we follow God in that, He blesses, He promises to do that. And he does so, he wants us to do this because he's working in our hearts to strengthen our faith. That's one of the reasons he wants us to give. It's it's not primarily God's method for fundraising. Look at look at Psalm 50. It says, "I have no need of a bull from your stall or of goats from your pens; for every animal of the of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills; they're mine as well." This is what God's saying here. In other words, the, the, he had the sacrificial system set up. Set up, and it wasn't that he needed the the animals? He owns the animals, and and everything on the earth. It's not God's method for fundraising primarily, but it's His method for raising us, for developing us, for teaching us faith. And it's more about what we need than what God needs. I've seen God come through in a completely unexpected ways if God wants something done he provides for it just as Anya testified to earlier he will do what he wants to do as we cooperate with him next it's an antidote for materialism 1st Timothy 6 7 17 through 18 says command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth which is so uncertain But to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. This is not a statement designed to guilt you, but the truth is, the poorest American is wealthier than most of the people in the rest of the world. And so, this is a verse we all need to apply. We need to keep it in our minds that, God wants us to take what He's given us and bless other people with it. As a nation I believe we're held accountable to do that, and as individuals in this nation that God has blessed us to be in, He wants that as well. My my wife Cindy is a giver. And so I, I really like the way at Christmas time, you know, that's that's when uh children tend to have that that black hole of selfishness that <laughs> feed me, you know. <laughs> more more presents, more gifts, whatever. Well, she would always design a project or she would always get the kids involved in something where they were giving to someone at that time. It was a really great thing for them to, to learn that this isn't just about me. And she would talk about what Christmas really means and what God did at Christmas time and then she would have them hand stuff out. They they would give they would give them a little of their time and a little of something away. That helped offset the black hole that was coming, potentially, on Christmas Day. Giving reverses selfishness and expresses contentment. Next, it blesses me in return. Proverbs 11:25 says, A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. This is this is something God has built into life, as Jesus was saying. This is, this is a, another verse that's in line with what Jesus was talking about in Luke 6. Give, and it will be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It will be poured into your lap, because the measure you use will be the measure you get. If you're handing things out, you're measuring them, you're stingy with the things that you give away, then that's what comes back to you. It's the law of sowing and reaping. If you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. Another passage that talks about it is Galatians 6, 9, and 10. You can look at that later. But this is what God does. You take one kernel of corn, you plant it in the ground, and it grows a stalk that has thousands of kernels on it that can grow thousands of stalks. And that's what God does in life. As you plant seeds, then he grows the crop over time that brings honor to him and blessing to you. I love Mr. Holland's opus, that movie. I don't know if you saw it, but it's a story about a teacher who has a dream of uh, hitting the big time, and he's writing this, this opus, which I believe is some kind of symph- symphony. Um, I'm in trouble because I'm off the cuff here. And I'm not musical, so normally I would look up what I was talking about. But an opus is a, a musical piece or number or symphony or something. <laughs> oh, Sorry. <laughs> um, but anyway, what goes on is, in this movie, Mr. Holland ends up getting married, having a child, and he, he continually has to say no to himself, to his own dream of having this opus, Played by a symphony. And at, at the end of the movie, he, he's teaching, he's helping students, he's pouring into them. He's, he's continually saying no to his own dream. At the end of the movie, all the students come back. Look, I'm tearing up. <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Anyway, all the students come back. And, and that really is his opus. The students who come back and they play his, they play the piece that he wrote. He he wrote it and they play it. And it, the, the it's a great message in that movie that if you keep planting seeds, you know, in, in your lifetime, you see God use those in the lives of other people as a blessing to them. And that's the law of sowing and reaping. What you've got to do, though, is you've got to keep saying no to me. And yes to what God's asking you to do right here, what's right, what's right before him, what pleases him. And then you see the blessing come. That's what Jesus was talking about in Luke 6. If you're generous with criticism, that's what you get back. If you're generous with gossip, you get gossip back. If you're you're generous with encouragement, it comes back to you. It's the same financially. If you're generous, God, God blesses you in return. Finally... The value is it's an investment in eternity. Matthew 619 and 20 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. That's Jesus talking there. Francis Schaeffer, who is a very well-known uh, Christian writer, very sharp thinker. Um, he said, you can take it with you if you're a Christian. We can lay up money and land and investments and then hand it off to somebody else when we move on to the next life. He didn't say that. Uh, but we can lay up land uh, and money and land and investments here and now, but we can also lay it up just as realistically and objectively in heaven. And that that's true. If you give to the Lord and his causes, you are sharing in an enterprise with eternal dimensions and you are you're doing the money is used to do what really matters and so God God honors that he rewards that in response here's some guidelines for giving i think this could help with the cringe factor first of all give proportionally that's what you find in scripture matthew 23:23 23, 23 says woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees you hypocrites You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. Um, They would go to their cupboards. And they would pour out their spices and they would slice off 10%. That's what they were doing. They They were really into making sure they gave a tenth of everything. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Sometimes you hear that. Tithing or giving 10% is just part of the Old Testament, not a part of the New. But Jesus validated it here, said you should tithe, but you you should make sure that in your tithing, you're not just trying to keep God at arm's distance. In your giving, I'm going to give a little to God. I'm going to give this portion to God so he leaves me alone with the other 90%. He's saying, no, your whole life should reflect that your heart is in the right place with God. Giving is actually an act of worship. It's it's just as much, maybe more, of an act of worship than the singing that we do here on Sunday mornings or, or the praying that we do. Giving is a part of worship. If you set your heart to honor God with your tithe, the offering during worship is just as meaningful as your favorite song or a helpful message. It's a concrete way to say to God, Money isn't the answer to everything you are. You're the answer, and I trust you. 1 Corinthians 16:2 says, On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. It's proportional. It's in keeping with your income, saving it up, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Notice that giving is to be a habit. And in the habit, God is teaching us something. In De- Deuteronomy fourteen twenty three, the last part of that verse, it says the purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. So as we as we write, we're to write the check to God, we're to write the check or whatever, put aside the money first it's to go off the top. And you do that because that says to him, you are number one. You're the first one. I want to honor you first above all. Second, we're to give cheerfully. And willingly, St. Corinthians 9, 7, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So we're to go before God and decide what what we're he wants us to give. And I want to encourage you. Giving is something that you need to work out between you and God. I'm not going to pressure you. I'm not going to guilt you. We don't make a habit of that. We don't we don't motivate people that way. But if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, it's a key aspect of your relationship with him. And here you find that he wants you to go and make up your mind. If, if it's new to you, if tithing is new to you, that means 10 percent. I would encourage you to go and ask God, go before God and say, Lord, where do you want me to start? I'd recommend starting with a percentage. It's to be proportional. Make it a percentage, but start somewhere and ask God to grow your faith. One, two, three, five percent. Whatever you have the faith to do, start there. But make up your mind and your heart before God and do that and watch him work. He says you can test him in this. He said you could check it out and test him. And if you'll do that, you'll see him work. And we're to do that, not reluctantly or under compulsion, because God loves a cheerful giver. Motive and attitude are important to God. He, he wants us to get our heart into it. That's why we go before him and we think about it. So we don't have the cringe factor when the offering comes by, but we've already thought it through. We settled in our heart before God what he wants us to do, and we do it. And then we wait and watch, and God's involved. He, he comes through. He's faithful. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and he provides. Finally, give discreetly. Matthew 6, 3-4. through 4. Um, Anya wouldn't have told that story if we didn't ask her to. So we asked her to. That didn't steal her reward. But here it says, When you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father... Who sees what is done in secret will reward you. If you make a big deal out of your giving, you just received your reward. You got it all right there. Um, Here's some next steps. We're trying to make a habit of applying what we look at in scriptures. Here are some possible next steps. Lord may have laid something else on your heart that you want to follow through and do. But here are some that you could take. First of all, I will begin to give a percentage of my income and ask God to grow my faith. In other words, you're going to go before God and you're going to make up your mind what he wants you to give to him and begin with the percentage and then watch God work. He will get involved. He will. He will come through. He will grow your faith. He will strengthen your faith through this. Second next step could be I'm going to start giving over and above 10 percent as God leads. Maybe you're tithing. You've been tithing for years God may lead you to set some money aside. Some people have what's called an extra giving fund. They set a little extra aside, and then as needs come up in people's lives, they're able to just give to people. I found that God stretches me beyond that usually. You know, need will come up and uh, the fund's short, but He wants me to give anyway. That's you. You just do what God asks you to do, and He comes through as you give. If you give things away, but maybe that's what you want to do. You want to you want to set some money aside to begin blessing people who have needs in in their lives. Finally, or, or another step could be: I will change my attitude toward giving and view it as an act of worship. I, I'm going to settle this. I'm going to get. I'm going to understand this for what it is. I'm not going to cringe, but I'm going to see this as a, an act of worship before God. You may want to memorize Luke six thirty eight. That's a great reminder. What you dish out will be dished back to you. So you may want to memorize that. Or we're going to be uh, possibly offering some small groups on managing finances uh, God's way. If you are interested in being in one of those groups, that could be a step. We're trying to provide ways that will really help you follow through. That The seminar and these groups will provide some very practical tools Uh, In the groups, we're not going to ask you to say or divulge anything that you wouldn't want to share with a group of people, but only just to talk about the principles and to figure out how to get them into your life as well. If you're interested in being a group of people who would provide encouragement, uh, the ability to discuss the Bible for application's sake, and then to to provide a light amount of accountability, uh, let us know. That could be your next step as well. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the truth we find in your word that sets us free. And God, uh, as we take these steps on this road toward financial freedom, we know that our heart has to be in the right place. So God, I, I ask that you'd help us to set our heart on you.